Hi everyone, Rob here, just with a message to say that this episode was recorded before the sad news that Nicky Lauda passed away at the age of 70. Lauda obviously most known for his remarkable recovery from that crash in 1976, going on to win, what, two of his three world titles after the incident. An incredible man who rightly features in our comeback episode. While I'm here, probably worth telling you as well that this was recorded before Tiger Woods' returning Masters win in April, undoubtedly one of the greatest comebacks in sport, so this episode really hasn't dated too well. We apologise about that, but we hope you enjoy it. There's some great stories in here. Remember, like, share, subscribe, all that kind of thing, and uh, do leave us a review if you can. That really helps. Welcome back to Three Sports Rankers and the penultimate episode of Series 1. As you probably know by now, this is the sports podcast where we award bronze, silver and gold across a range of topics and create what we believe are the ultimate sporting medal ceremonies. Now, uh, my name is Rob Schofield. I'll be hosting this episode and battling out for points are Sam Barker, who is looking to reclaim the lead for the first time since episode two, I think that's right. I'm feeling uh, good. Sam, two points behind me in the standings on 16 points. I'm on 18 points. And Callum Scotland is with us as well. Yes, as usual. <laughs> I've turned up. Not a million miles behind, though. 12 points. So, But this is the last week he can pick up points. It's the, it's the key here. Always bringing us down. No, no, just Callum. <laughs> so, uh, my okay. topic up for debate this week uh, for Callum and Sam to scrap it out for points is greatest sporting comebacks and uh, not necessarily coming from behind to win well in fact not at all that <laughs> it is uh, it is coming uh, returning back to a sport from being absent uh, for one reason or another can so, i just say i got the complete wrong end of this stick uh, when rob sent when rob told us what it was and i uh, initially prepared for comebacks to win slash comebacks from the jaws of defeat um so if i lose <laughs> that's your excuse get, get, there's get, my excuse those Just, well i mean i should have had an excuse for the previous episodes that i didn't win <laughs> but you know there we go i've zoning got one out, this time zoning out at the end of uh, episode seven uh right so it, it's greatest sporting comebacks greatest comebacks to a sport and uh, as you're so well prepared, Callum, let's start with you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to start with someone who's already won an episode of Three Sports Rankers this series. I don't think I know who this is. Me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sam? Humble brag, not Callum. <laughs> yeah. uh, Here we go. This is the comeback. I'm going to go with, uh, in, in third place, Muhammad Ali. Right. Um, oh. Arguably. I thought you were going to go for the Yankees kit. The gr- <laughs> yeah, well, right, made a great comeback. Um, no, Muhammad Ali. Obviously, we know we know all about him. He's the most iconic sportsman of all time, as voted um, for, as voted for by the three sports rankers. Um, but you know, he lost five years of his boxing career, um, conscientiously objecting to the uh, Vietnam War. His absence from the sport, you could argue, heightened his popularity. And when he came back. His second reign as heavyweight champion was, you know, better than his first. It included the Thriller in Manila and the Rumble in the Jungle, which, you know, you only have to mention the names of them and you know they're Muhammad Ali fights. They're, mm. they're maybe, they're two of the only fights that I know of 
in my limited boxing knowledge that sort of have their own names you know that don't include the the boxers involved so for that reason Muhammad Ali will be my uh, my choice for the bronze medal he was he was definitely someone I considered and I think had we not he'd, he'd been such a focal point of a previous episode and this probably isn't the right way to think about it but had he not be I, I might have snuck him in somewhere as such he, he just missed out but no, I thought I thought to be honest he was the one that I thought might feature for both of you but I just think it's one of those oh, yeah, where... spoilers, he's not in my list. <laughs> yeah, like you say, Callum, it's, it's that kind of... To, to stage that comeback, completely self in, Not self-enforced, he didn't, he didn't take a hiatus from the, from the sport, but, but for it to be for a reason, you know, simply philosophically, something that he believed in, I think makes it all the more prominent, doesn't it? And I think, yeah, when we mentioned him earlier in the, the year, the, the big point we made was that he was like the peak years of his career that he lost. Yeah, it was That's, 24 to 29 he missed out on, mm. which, you know, you only, you only have to look at professional sportsmen these days. They are more or less in every sport the peak of their career. Yeah. Um, and to, lo- to lose those years is unthinkable to a professional athlete these days, but remarkable that he managed to still come back and win the heavyweight championship of the world. It's also not at all like the kind of comebacks we see in boxing nowadays, is it, where fighters just call an end to their career and then think, oh, no, I want a little bit more of this. Yeah, they need, need a payday. They need a payday. You know, purely, this was all upon his, you know, own accord, battle back there, you know, beat the system, as it were, and, and to come back and become the iconic sportsman that he did. You it know, all it, the more it impressive. did cross my mind. There's a slightly different take on comeback was uh, Tyson Fury in his fight last year where he basically came exactly. back from the dead in the yeah. 12th round. <laughs> True. With uh, two seconds to go. And again, didn't include it, but I thought... But you could have included him coming back from 28 stone. Yeah, yeah that was true. a comeback in itself, you know, and him battling his mental Men, health yeah. issues. Yeah. yeah. Right, so we've got a strong one on the board, I'll admit. I thought it might rank slightly higher than bronze, but it only makes the rest of the episode more intriguing. Sam, what's your bronze pick? Kim Kleisters. Nice. Kim you oh, don't have to do a tennis pick. answer every episode. I do if it warrants it. So, Kim Kleister's <laughs> said with such conviction. <laughs> if you've got Monica Seles further up this list, I'm going to I, I reach had, across the table and slap you. I, I had, basically, for the bronze, I had a bit of a toss-up between Kleister's and Seles, and I, I've gone for Kleister's for the reason that when she came back, her career was better than it was before. Yeah. So, she retired, she retired the first time at 23 years old because she was battling so many injuries. I've got a list of some of the injuries she had by 23 Foot, arm, wrist, hip, ankle, ligaments in wrist, ligaments in ankle. So, Sorry, are those, are those Kim Kleister's injuries or your injuries? They, I mean, <laughs> they, it applies to both. Uh, but in, in this situation, it is just Kim Kleister's. She, she had actually said at the start of the 2007 season that she wanted to retire um, at the end of it because she was struggling so much. She didn't even make it to the end of the year. She retired in May. Um, she went away. She got married. She had a daughter in early 2008. Um, then lost her father in early 2009. And what actually inspired her to come back was, funnily enough, the opening of the Centre Court roof. Uh, she played an exhibition match there with Henman, Agassi and Graf. I remember that, actually, yeah. yeah. And that she, from training for that, she said, oh, actually, you know what, mm. I could possibly give this another go. If I can keep these injuries where I can give it another go. Beforehand, she'd won one Grand Slam. She came back that year, Cincinnati, 2009, in her third tournament, her third tournament was the US Open, she went on to win it. She beat Venus Williams and Serena Williams in yeah. the uh, quarters and semi, I believe it was. There were was, was two and three in the world, then beat Wozniacki in the final. She was not only the first unseeded woman 
to ever win the US Open. She was also the first ever unranked player to win the US Open, which is mad on its own. She was also the, only the third woman in history to uh, win a Grand Slam, uh, who, no, she was the third woman in history to win a Grand Slam, who was also a mother. She probably have included that important detail. Uh, and the first since Yvonne Gula and Corley in 1980. She then backed that up. That's a big old gap as well, 1980 to 2009. 2009, seven, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, a 29-year gap. Uh, she had to keep a limited schedule because of two things, injuries and family. She said when she came back the next time, she was like, this is a different career for me. It's not a rebirth of my first one. It's a different career. She won that one. She then came back the next year, having battled injuries again all through 2010, won the US Open again, just, you know, because she could. Then the year after that, won the Australian Open in 2011. First time she won a Grand Slam outside. So she won one Grand Slam before retirement, then came back and won another three. And then unfortunately, uh, she had to retire again in 2012 after another load of injuries, ankle, shoulder, abdominal, all sorts of stuff. And does anyone remember who she actually lost her final singles match to? The US Open 2012. Obviously Second not. Second round. I was looking more at Rob for that one <laughs> than I was for you, Callum. Laura Robson. Yeah. Well, ended Kim Kleister's singles career. Fair enough. I mean, it's a great one. And also, interestingly enough, two that you've both picked there who arguably had the peak of their careers off the back of their comebacks, yeah. which I think is really, really interesting. And, you know, Kim Kleister's maybe paving the way. Really interesting. Remind us again the gap between becoming the first... You know, mother essentially. Nineteen. Uh, well, the the last one before her had been Yvonne Gula Cooley in 1980. So she was for all the talk at the moment about Serena Williams mm. and and you know her making a big thing about her motherhood, which is is great in its own right. She's not won a Grand Slam since she's come yeah, back. Really paid Kim Kleister's came back and won three. Amazing. Uh, I really like it, and it's going to be tough to pick between them. We'll wait and see. Uh, silver pick. Uh, Callum, what's your choice? Okay, I'm not sure if you'll have heard of uh, this man. And, you know... The more obscure, the better. This is not necessarily a comeback for glory, shall we say. Not in the same way that Sam's was, and not in the same way that Muhammad Ali was a comeback for glory. But let me take you to a 1989 uh, National Ice Hockey game, National Hockey League game, between the Buffalo Sabres and the St. Louis Blues. In... uh, Goaltending for the Sabres is a man named Clint Malarchuk. Good name. Good name. Better story. At this point, he is eight years into a 15-year career, so he's right in the middle of his uh, NHL career. I can't tell you if he was any good or not or if the Sabres were any good or not because you know my ice hockey knowledge is limited to nil. But what happened in this game is gruesome to say the least i think rob might have just googled it i googled it and my face would have quite obviously turned (laughs) as i read the headline my goodness me tell us so there is a collision just in front of clint malarchuk's uh, net and obviously one of the main points of ice skating is that you have to have very very sharp blades attached to your feet at all times Uh, i already don't like where this is going it was attached to someone else's foot and it cut his neck. His carotid artery was severed, and he spilled. In total, he lost 1.5 litres of blood in the incident. Clint Malarchuk said at the time that he was convinced he was going to die and claimed that he wanted to get off the ice as fast as possible. And in doing so, as he was skating off the ice, he asked one of the athletic trainers to call his mother to tell her that he loved her. 
and to uh, and to get a priest to read him his last rites in the changing room in case he died. Now. Yeah. The injury caused fans to faint, vomit, and even have heart attacks in the arena. Wow. And Malachuk required 300 stitches to close a six-inch wound across his neck. Ten days later, he was back on the ice playing for the Sabres. Ten days later. Ten days later. This has become like goriest comebacks ever. I feel like we should have put a disclaimer at the start of this episode if you have a nervous disposition. Wow. Ten days later. Ten days later. When was this? 1989. 1989. Were you even surprised that was allowed in 1989? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, d- I did read about another um, another incident, which was in 2008, um, of a similar similar sort of thing. And uh, Malachuk said that at the time he didn't want to he didn't want to view it. He didn't want to see it. Someone had had got the video for him and was like, "If you want to watch this, you can." He didn't want to view it to begin with, but then. After after a few hours, he came round and and watched the video in two thousand and eight, uh, and it, it brought back such bad memories that he had to have um, he had to have therapy for his for his previous uh, Rob's just, Rob's for just what happened to him. Okay, yeah. I just did a quick YouTube and instantly regretted that. Um, wow, quite yeah, I I don't I don't get very easily sort of squeamish. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not particularly squeamish, but that's one that I. I can't watch if it comes on on a YouTube video. I have to like skip through and skip through to the next bit because That's horrific. I mean, what a comeback and a really specific one as well. You know, we, there we are talking about you know Muhammad Ali and Kim Kleisters in terms of an extended period. Actually, the most incredible thing about this is that it's such a short amount of time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the severity of the injury and you know went on to play for another six years. <sighs> wow. Um, good luck, Sam. Well, it's funnily enough, <laughs> Sam, Sam at the moment is sort of holding his neck in yeah, a way that I'll just knock me for six a little bit. That one. I mean, this my one is not much chirpier. If I'm going to <laughs> um, I'm going to take you back to the 1976 German Grand Prix and Nicky Lauda. Nicky Lauda. Yeah. It's a similar sort of story in terms of a, a horrific injury. He had the crash, very famous crash, part of. Um, see it most recently in Rush the Ron Howard film they did a a crazy reenactment of it where his Ferrari just burst into flames with him inside Mm. suffered severe burns lost his right ear lost most of his hair lost his not just his eyebrows but his eyelids in the fire Um, rushed to hospital and just horrific horrific injuries You, you didn't think he'd ever be back he almost died funnily you said um, the priests read your guy last rites act exactly the same with uh, louder wasn't quite 10 days he was back but 42 days later he was back uh, that's still an incredibly in short amount of time considering Six, what happened he missed two races he was engulfed in yeah. flames his entire body suffered severe burns all over the one thing that I thought the Rush film did really well is actually to um, illustrate his recovery uh, mm. and I haven't seen it for a long long time but Obviously, it's only a reenactment, but I remember the the most striking part of that film was him in hospital, basically bandaged from head to toe, yeah. watching the Grand and basically getting someone to what to force him to watch the Grand Prix to get him back sooner. Yeah, and he and what was incredible was he came back and, and sort of read accounts from the first race he came back, and they said he's come back with bandages around his head that are just soaked in blood. So saying, you know, it shouldn't be there. Same with your guy, I imagine coming back 10 days later. I, ma- I imagine if Malachuk had like looked up too quickly, he'd have 
Yeah. yeah. Rip yeah. the stitches out. And that of was it. They, they been... customised Lauda's helmet the next time so it wasn't too tight on his head because if it was, he said he would have just passed out from the pain and it would have been just. The, the, so to it, was, come back, it was Monza, wasn't he, when he returned? Yes. He came fourth. He came fourth. He only just lost out on the title that year. He won the world title the year after that. He just got nicked by um, James Hunt and then he came back the next year and won it. And then, and then to add another comeback to his uh, repertoire, he actually retired from while driving for, I think it was Ferrari, he might have moved on, but he definitely retired uh, in 1979, came back three years later to race for McLaren, and in 1984 won the world title again. And to this day, he remains the only Formula One driver in history to have won a world title with both McLaren and Ferrari. Double so, comeback. Double comeback in one career. Which uh, it, it goes to show the you know metal of the man, doesn't it? I think it's the metal of Formula One drivers. I've been yeah. watching that. Um, oh, brilliant, isn't it? On, Is on Netflix. Success, yeah. Formula One. It just goes it, to show how these guys are complete adrenaline junkies, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, they they have no fear of death, and that's what that's how you can come back forty two days afterwards. Because if that was me, I wouldn't step foot in the car again. Mm. Yeah. I would never have gone back on the ice again if I was Clint Malarchuk. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous yeah. that these people can overcome these things. And that's two, two incredible stories about mm. just unbelievable resilience and just determination to, to come back. Good luck, Rob. I was going to say, the idea that I've got to pick between those two. That yeah, I was, going to, I was going to say, if it had just been like a comeback from, you know, a, a hiatus from, from Sam's, I was like, oh, yes, yeah, so I've got, this. got two, two points in the bag. But now you've really got a decision to make for Mickey that one. Good, uh, a really good pick. And I have to sit here and we have a good think about this. Um, Callum, let's go for your gold. What for you? Um, Pips, Muhammad Ali, and was it Clint Mal Malachuk? Clint Malachuk, Malachuk. yeah. Malachuk. I'm not, ah. I have to say I'm not sure no, that's but, the I mean, correct pronunciation. Either way, but... what a story. Uh, what have you picked for gold? Uh, I've picked someone who is the best player in his sport ever, and it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. Michael Jordan obviously is, you know, one of, if not the best basketball player of all time. He won the 1991, 1992 and 1993 NBA championships with the Chicago Bulls. And then in 90, just before the 93-94 season, retired. Um, some claim it was under dodgy circumstances due to uh, a gambling problem um, and that he was going to be uh, suspended by the league. Regardless, but he uh, he sort of jumped the gun on it, if you will, and uh, retired of his own accord before coming back and uh, completing another three-peat, three consecutive championships from 1996 to 1998. Which you did have a very entertaining when he retired. He actually went into baseball, didn't he? He went he went into minor league baseball, played for the uh, played for the Chicago White Sox for a bit. <laughs> And then, uh, but then he came back, and in 1996, his first season or his second season back, rather, the Chicago Bulls won a then record 72 regular season games. They went 72 and 10. Wow! Uh, with Jordan at the helm, uh, in, bet in between his two spells as well, he somehow managed to squeeze in a little film called Space Jam. <laughs> Arguably the highlight of his career. <laughs> what state were the Bulls in when he left them? I mean, they were still a very, very good team. They were they were the Chicago Bulls after all. They had um, they had they had Jordan. I'll just quickly look up if they still had the likes of Scottie Pippen. But when they came back, 
Um, his first season back wasn't particularly successful, mm. um, but then second season back, they brought in Dennis Rodman. He was one of the best defensive players in the league, if not the best. And then, you know, they went from strength to strength there as well. Um, I would say, you know, Jordan came back and he competed in six NBA finals. He won six NBA finals MVP awards. He was the leading scorer in the league 10 seasons in his career, uh, all of four of which came after he came back from retirement. And he also won the 1998 NBA Defensive Player of the Year award. So he wasn't just great on offense. Are you? Is this one of those where you knew instantly what was your top pick, Callum, or have you? Because I will admit, you know, you, the story of your your man in silver is, you know, taking us both a bit back. You know, what what particularly about this really trumps the other two for you? I think it's that if if Jordan had just retired in 1993 and walked off into the sunset, he would have been considered, you know, a an all time great. In basketball but the fact that he came back and three-peated again with the same team you know he he did it all over again and arguably with that defensive player of the year award added to his game he he became that much better and became you know the legend that he is today and arguably you know th- there's a lot of a lot of debate around it in basketball circles but arguably the best player of all time how old was he when he made his return he was like a job interview. Sorry. <laughs> uh, he was... I'm afraid you haven't got the job. Um, well, no, clearly not. Um, not judging by my um, performance in this uh, series so far. But when he made his return, he was 33 years old. Okay. So he came back, played his age 33, 4, 5, 6 seasons. The only reason I wanted to ask, because I wanted to kind of contextualise it in kind of in my mind, how far past it was he? You know, in general, I know basketball players can play well into their, like, 30s. Well, yeah, I mean, LeBron's getting up there now. Dirk Nowitzki's 40-odd, but... That kind of 90s period is obviously a bit of a haze. I was only just born, but... um, (laughs) Real haze. Yeah, can hardly remember it. Um, But I just wanted to kind of isolate how late in his career he was doing that. That doesn't strike too late to me. I mean, he he would have been... To to sort of put it into a footballing context, it would have been like Ronaldo retiring two years ago yes. and coming back. Um, and Yeah, I can appreciate that. Okay, Michael Jordan at the top of Callum's podium. Sam, who have you got to knock him off his perch? Let me tell you the story of <laughs> Alex Zanardi. <laughs> So Alex Zanardi, pretty mediocre. Is this another obscure one? I'm feeling like I've not heard of it. I've seen the name, but I can't tell you anything. It's another Formula One driver. I've picked two for gold and silver. I'll be honest, pretty mediocre uh, Formula One driver as well. Only picked up one point in his entire career. That was he raced for five seasons in the nineties. Picked up one point for Lotus. Left Formula One in either ninety nine or two thousand. Went into something called kart racing, not like go kart. It's still like Formula One, but lower tier. Um, in 2001, at the uh, Euro Speedway Lausitz, I think I've pronounced that horrendously, but in Germany. So he was involved in an accident where he was hit in the side by another car and his front wing bent in two and he lost both his legs. He lost one at the thigh and one at the knee. Jeez. Uh, so another one, you know, similar to Lauda, similar to the ice hockey 
player whose name has completely slipped my mind. What's his name again? Clint Malarczyk. Clint Malarczyk. Similar to those two, horror, horror injury. He was fitted with prosthetic limbs, didn't like them, so decided to make his own, customised his own prosthetic limbs, was determined to get back into racing. The first bit of racing he did was he went back to the same circuit and he completed the final 13 laps that he would have done in a ceremonial car. They edited the car so that he would race with pedals being used by his hands rather than his feet. He had his prosthetic limbs. How is he steering? That was the thing. He was kind of changing gears and steering all at the same time. Yeah. Madness. Um, he drove one of the laps so fast in the 13 ceremonial laps that he'd done that if he'd been taking part in qualifying the day of the race he crashed, he would have qualified fifth, which is nuts. He then actually returned to the World Touring Car Championships for the first time in 2005, where he won four races over his five years there, again in a customised car. But the fact that he's gone back into racing, I say he, he went back to Formula 1 in 2006 to do a bit of testing, um, but it doesn't end there. So he did all this, came back, did a bit of Formula 1 racing, not the most amazing career. He also went into paracycling. He now has six Paralympic gold medals at paracycling. He also holds the world record in the disabled category for Ironman competition, which I must admit I know nothing about, but his Record-breaking time is like eight and a half hours, so it's obviously something. Well, it's like triathlon. It's like intense, long-distance yeah. triathlon. Um, he is 52 years old this year, but he's still racing. He took part in the 24 Hours of Daytona race earlier this year. I think, as far as I'm aware, he's on for Tokyo next year as well. Still racing there, looking to defend some of his gold medals. How have I not heard of this guy? That's what I thought when I, I came across him. I thought it was just crazy that this guy hasn't had more recognition. 2012 Italian Sportsperson of the Year, I think he was as well. I just thought to go from, to have an accident where you lose both your legs, to firstly come back and go into racing and do all of that is incredible. To then go into a completely different sport in your 40s, win six Paralympic gold medals, to then be taking part in triathlons, in Ironmans, all with this stuff that's been customised just for him. I just... For me, it was just such a, an incredible comeback, such an, a, a lovely feel-good story after such a horrific incident. Mm. Um, I just, I, I wanted to get it in. I just really, I just really enjoyed the story personally, and that's why I made my list. Have you noticed that the the debate elements slightly uh, tempered in this episode? Because we can't go. No, having your throat slashed is not the same as being engulfed <laughs> in a fireball. Uh, I mean, they're all incredible picks. I, I cannot believe that I hadn't heard of him. No. That is, I, I mean, maybe it's just, maybe other people listening to this thinking, God, how have you not heard of that? But um, personally, I haven't, and that is the most incredible comeback. Second most incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan's comeback was... Well, that's, they're totally different they are, styles. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Jordan's is, is to come back and reach the very peak... Pinnacle, yeah. Of, maintain. Maintain the peak of a, a very well-played sport around the world. Um, Zanardi did never reach a peak in the sport he originally retired from, but just has an incredible story and an incredible comeback. Yeah. But uh, don't envy you at all on this one, Rob. No. Okay, let's talk points. We're going to start... I'm going to work up. Bronze. No, we're not. We're going to work down. Go ahead. (laughs) Can I start from the middle? No, that's the last place Rob wants to start Actually, from. you know what? Let's start in the middle, because you, your man, he's getting it, Callum. Um, Clint Malarczyk. What an incredible comeback. 
Um, I think the two things that are doing it for me, obviously, the gruesomeness. Ugh. And secondly, I'm never going on ten, ever again. ten days, right? Ten days. That's I can't yeah. fathom it. Yeah. Well, as soon as you said ten days, I was like, oh, I thought like forty-two days. No, and, <laughs> and Mickey, Mickey Lauda is, I think, unquestionably one of the greatest comebacks in sport because, again, it's um, it's fearlessness and it's returning to the top of your sport as well. Um, but I just think the pure was it three hundred stitches? Three hundred stitches. Yeah. That is. That is incredible it's it's a great yeah. find it's it's an amazing story and i think we i think we were so blown away by it had to yeah. go in at some there's point. a there's a really sort of perverted feel-good factor about it as well because you know he he was like in, even in his darkest hour he mm-hmm. was like i'm getting off the ice my mum can't watch me die on tv yeah. and then back in 10 days is just yeah. ridiculous yeah. and then you know to play another six years in the league it, again unthinkable for any of us but you know professional sports people are a different breed okay um and this is where the difficulty comes so i'm going the difficulty <laughs> so i'm gonna have to k- stick to a constant here and i'll tell you why i'm going for it bronze is going to kim clysters because muhammad ali was still Remind me, his age coming back, 29? 29. Yeah, so in my eyes, the comeback itself is more melancholy. It's more what could have been. I think, arguably, his comeback itself, you could argue that, for instance, even within the sport, and I'm not his biggest fan, but Tyson Fury's comeback in terms of what he overcame, arguably more impressive um it's a great comeback and i think probably one of the most important in terms of him becoming an icon but in terms of actually overcoming something and uh the thing that really sold it for me which i couldn't remember off the top of my head but you rightly said kim kleiss has achieved more post comeback yeah. than before yeah. um and is paving the way really for i think what is becoming an increasing factor and, and so many sports women have, have proven so impressively in recent years that having a child and becoming a mother is no hurdle in a, in a sportswoman's career. So Kim Kleisters takes it for bronze for me. And then again, for the same reason, unfortunately, Alex Zanardi is going to pit Michael Jordan into gold. So Jordan achieved more uh, for his comeback. And Callum, you very astutely put the case that his game arguably went to another level again. But the reason I asked the question about age was because if he'd have been at the right tail end of his career and he was doing this almost against the will of his own body, but because he was arguably still in that ballpark of, I'm not going to say peak, but 33 is not too old for a basketball player. Um, and the achievements that Sam listed off for our friend, Mr. Zanardi, in terms of his return to F1, the fact he went and completed those laps as his return, what, what did you call it? It was like kind of a, it was a, a ceremonial, a ceremonial yeah. race. But it's the fact that he didn't just go and sort of drive them loosely as well. He came and... Did a qualifying time, basically. And, you know, to then go on and become, you know, an icon in in para-athletics and the the hand cycling, the gold medals and the the Ironman as well. It's just, I think, I can't fathom being a sports person, losing both your legs, which obviously is such a fulcrum to racing, finding a way and not only being told a way, but working out your own way to do those things again, I think is what's going to put it there for me. So... Sam, you're getting uh, four points for gold and bronze. Callum, you're getting two for silver. So that takes us in terms of uh, series scores. Callum gets you to 
14 points. Uh, Sam, you lift up to 20, so take the series lead. Uh, I'm there behind on 18 uh, from the last few weeks. So it's all to play for going into the last uh, the last episode of Series 1. Callum, what's your topic for us? So it's a slightly, to battle it out to a slightly different series. one next week. It's going to be most impressive sporting feats. Not in the way that you might think. So sporting feats you'd normally think, you know, scoring a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Jeff Hurst, there we go, okay. number one. That's not what I want. I want something that you could ask your average Joe down the pub, what's his most impressive sporting feat? And if he turns around to you and says, I've hit a 180 in darts, or I've had a 147 break, or I've had a hole in one in golf, one of those sort of... In that it, wheelhouse. Yeah, sort of something that your average Joe can accomplish with, you know, obviously a little bit of training probably, not blind luck, but something that... Any yeah. any person can accomplish. Being in a situation where you could do that, yeah. rather than having a platform that you know exactly. none of us ever get the opportunity yeah. to perform yeah. in. Okay. Okay. Uh, remember, you can uh, keep across us on Twitter and Instagram, across social media in general at Three Sports Rankers. Um, do let us know if we've missed any incredible um, comebacks. I thought there's some great stories there that I was unaware of. I think we've all uh, learned a little bit from uh, today's podcast, even if they were slightly squeamish. Um, but until next time, goodbye.